0: Well, again, to all of you guys uh, who are dads, happy Father's Day. We're really, really grateful for you, and, uh, and you make the world a better place when you love God with all your heart and you live with integrity. It's amazing that some of us guys are still alive uh, because of the way we live. Can we just be honest about that? I wanna just go to one topic, and that would be ladders, how we do ladders, okay? So let me just show a couple of pictures here. Uh, Someone uh, here is going, that looks like my husband, uh, my dad. Here's the picture of some guy doing some painting in the house. I count three ladders there, uh, jerry-rigged. Notice the bricks or whatever, the ladder on the lower right, bricks or something to even that out there. And, but that's just inside, like he doesn't have real far to fall. But look at this next one, this guy outside. Now, on the face of it, that looks okay, but let's just zoom back a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The lower letters (laughs) in the, hey, it's not quite high enough. Why don't we put it in the bed, the bucket of a dump truck, or of a little backhoe, or whatever the thing is. But if he falls, at least he can grab a hold of some of those power lines, right? You know, so. (laughs) Not to be outdone, here's what his neighbor did. His neighbor had to fix the chimney a little bit, and he said, hey, no problem. I've got two garbage cans. It might be different, you know, sizes, but... His wife visited him in the ER the next day, uh, I'm guessing. And then finally, why buy an extension ladder, the next one here, when you can just pile them on top of each other, right? Now you know why guys have a shorter lifespan than women, right? Isn't that true? You know, there's just, we just don't have an appropriate fear at times of things that ought to... My wife, I haven't agreed with my wife. I will not go up on a ladder uh, anymore. uh, That I just am like, yeah, I've heard too many stories. So sometimes we don't have enough fear, but sometimes there are other things that just create within us a sense of like trepidation, nervousness, our palms start to sweat. And one of those is talking about issues of faith. You ever had that? The topic comes up, you know, you feel a prompt to talk about a spiritual issue and all of a sudden you go, oh my goodness, my heart is pounding. I don't wanna talk about this. We know that Jesus is ultimately the answer to the world's problems and to the, to the deepest longings of our own heart. We know that to have a relationship with Jesus settles our eternal destination. When We know for sure we can be in heaven. The Bible says that, you know, First John chapter five, these things are written that you may know that you have eternal life, not guess, not hope and and yet it's really easy when the opportunity arises to keep quiet, right? We just started the book of 1 Corinthians written by the apostle Paul. And when you think of the apostle Paul talking about issues of faith, what do you imagine? A lot of people would go, "Oh, that guy was like a beast, you know. He was unafraid. He just, you know, he spoke so boldly about spiritual things and stuff like that." When the reality is what we're going to see is that Paul Dealt with some issues of fear and trepidation, like he wasn't this giant of confidence that maybe we think he was. So let's take a look, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and uh, you can look at the Bible, Bible app, but would love to have you look at this passage with me. And while you're turning there, to all of our friends at Olmstead Falls, Lorraine Correctional, enjoy your donuts. We love you, and uh, we look forward to seeing you again. And those of you engaging online, uh, we can't wait for the day we get to greet you here in person, but we're glad to have you uh, part, of, part of the family today. We said last week that 1 Corinthians was written to a group of Jesus followers in the cosmopolitan port city of, of uh, Corinth um, in Greece. And he wrote this letter, you'll see from Ephesus, just 300 miles to the east, modern-day Turkey. He's writing it to his friends in Corinth, and, and he, here's what Paul says. He reveals some of the emotional turmoil going on inside. And then listen for three words that Paul uses to talk about some of the angst he had talking about faith. Here's what he says, beginning with verse 1. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom, As I proclaim to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness, with great fear, and trembling. Anybody relate to that? My message and my preaching were not with the wise and persuasive words, but with the demonstration of the Spirit's power. So that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. What three words does Paul use? He says, Man, there's weakness, fear, trembling, not what maybe you imagine about the legendary Apostle Paul, right? But these are his own words. And I guess I find that encouraging because you think about this, you know, you're, let's say you're with a group of friends, you're at some kind of barbecue, you're doing a fire pit, you know, in the neighborhood, and someone goes, Hey, you're sort of religious, like, what do you believe? And all of a sudden you're like, okay, here we go, right? And you're not sure, maybe you're at work and a colleague says, oh my goodness, my cousin was just diagnosed with terminal cancer and wow, it doesn't look good to stage whatever and you know, it, it's total shock and it's been devastating and I, death is just so scary, I just gotta hope that, you know, my cousin, he's ready. And it's sort of this open door that you're like, wow, that, that's like an invitation for me to say, you know, your, your cousin can be sure that no matter how short or how long my life, that I, you can know and I can know, your cousin can know, that, that heaven awaits and that, and that Jesus will be with you every step of this journey. You'll never be alone. That's true for all of you. You might be going like, that's me right now. And, and you're listening though and, and someone asks you something and you're like, wow, I've just been given this open door, what do I do? Now Paul sets an example here for us and this is what I want to, I think it's really encouraging the model he gives us, some principles to remember as the topic of faith comes up, either at a barbecue later today for Father's Day, or when you're out bowling, or a neighbor or a colleague talks to you, and you're like, well, how do we talk about this? And here's what what Paul does. Number one, keep the focus on the amazing grace of Jesus. Here's what he says right At the start in verse 2, he says, I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except who? Jesus Christ, right? And him crucified. That that was his focus. So we talked about in chapter 1 last week, it's all about Jesus, right? It's not a set of rules like, oh, if you're a Christian, you got to stop doing this or stop doing that or you got to start doing that or, you know, whatever. It's not what political party you belong to. It's, It's not having a perfect handle on the right doctrine, it just comes back to the fact that you go, it's about what Jesus has done for me and what he's done for you, that he loved you so much and he loved me so much that he came into our broken world and after living a perfect life, he, he died as an innocent man for, for me and for you in order to be the sacrifice for our sins. I mean, that's that's it. It's, he says it's Jesus Christ and, and him crucified. That Jesus has earned the central place in In all of our lives by what he's done. So point to Jesus. It's all about about Jesus. Listen to how Paul talks about the gospel, this unlikely but amazing story of God's plan. He says in verse 7, he says, we declare God's wisdom a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. I mean, think of that. That before time began, before the history of the world that God the Father, your Father, in this Father's Day, to say, Father in heaven, you are planning something for us. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. What Paul's talking about, he mentions a mystery, is simply the gospel, that God had a plan in place, now revealed, Paul says, that involved God coming to earth in the person of Jesus, and, and that Jesus wanted to rescue us, to provide for our forgiveness, to adopt us into his family, To restore significance to our lives to give us the key to heaven and and jesus is the way like he shows us the way so what does that mean practically when we talk about spiritual things let's say the topic of faith comes up it means we don't get sidetracked on peripheral issues right you ever had someone you're talking about you know your faith and they go well you know what i don't know about who did adam and eve's children marry i mean like they're the first humans and like who did they marry like what's up with that like i don't know if i can even be a christian if i don't have the answer to that or Jonah, was he really swallowed by a fig fish? And how could a guy survive for three days? And, and they go to that. Or they come to some kind of, you know, current issue, white water in our culture, and they're like, so if I'm a Christian, does that mean I'm supposed to have to boycott, like, Target and Bud Light? And is that, is that what it means to be a Christian? Or that I have to vote this particular way? Or that, you know, that what about all these religious leaders who have been exposed as hypocrites? You know what I say? I go, you know what? It's really complicated, isn't it? And what you're saying, there's a lot of sad things among Christians and in the church. I'm not here to defend them. What I'm here to say is this, it's all about Jesus. Do you believe that Jesus is who he claims to be? Because let's just put it as simply as possible. If Jesus is still in some Middle Eastern tomb, if he died and he didn't really come back from death, Christianity is a joke it really is. You don't have Christianity without a risen Jesus. And so it doesn't really, I just don't even pay attention to all the other questions. But but think about this. If there was a guy who claimed to come from heaven, and he died, and he's he's in this tomb, and then three days later he comes back to life, and then he ascends to heaven 40 days later, and then there's this family of his that grows and the spirit of God comes and you look around the world today and like a third of the world's population is, claims to follow him. If he really came back from death, those other questions, could we just say, are like puzzle pieces that we're not sure how they fit. But the major part of this, like it's all about Jesus. Is he who he claimed to be? Always bring it back to Jesus. That's Paul's first thing, is that he, he this compelling example that, that he brings it back To, is Jesus who he claims to be? Secondly, talk about your faith journey. Now, Paul does this. He hints at it in 1 Corinthians 2, but I bring it up because it was just part of Paul's MO when talking about spiritual issues. In fact, I put in your notes three instances in the book of Acts that where Paul's own testimony, his faith journey is recorded three different times. Paul knew the power of story. It was impossible. They're like, wait, wait, wait a second here. Here's a guy who used to like kill Christians and now he is one of them? Like what's up with that? And they were intrigued by his story. There's three reasons at least why personal testimonies impact people. Number one, people are interested in you and in your life. They've been working with you. They see a change and they're like, wow. Uh, My wife, when she was in university, Mary did not grow up as a follower of Jesus. Some of you know Mary's story. You've heard it, but She's at Appalachian State uh, University in Boone, North Carolina, and she knew this friend, Sheila, who had been a total party girl and, you know, getting drunk and just crazy. And like six months later, she sees Sheila. It's part of a Bible study. She just like changed, and Mary's like, wow, what happened to Sheila? There's something about Sheila's life. And so when Sheila invited Mary to come to be a part of a Bible study to see what Jesus says, Mary's like, yeah, I'm interested. And that was the beginning of the journey from Mary. Third, they can't argue with the fact that your life has changed. I mean, people might disagree with who Jesus is or something in the Bible, but when they go, but I, I have to say that your life, like there's something about you, you're just, you're different. You're different, you're, you're kind, you're, you have a sense of peace in your life. There's, and your story can make an impact. Can I kind of read a couple of examples right here from Grace Church? Let me read uh, two stories here. Parents, this first one is for you. The impact of just having love in your home. Listen, listen to this one. This person from Grace Church says, when I was back in seventh grade, they're now like a young adult. When I was in seventh grade, I started questioning my life and that there had to be more than what I knew. I tried filling the void that was in my heart, but instead my heart became blocked by more pain. Seventh graders, this, this is what life is like often for seventh graders, right? It seemed like everything I tried to fix, I only made it worse, my best friend's mom was a follower of god she let her house be a house of refuge and she offered advice she made a tremendous difference in my life and still has a huge impact on it she left stepping stones in my heart that god would later use thank you liz that's what she writes a powerful story isn't it another guy a business guy writes this he says i found myself searching for more than the temporary pleasures I was pursuing, things that looked so good, but that rang hollow for substance. A friend invited me to the Alpha class at Grace. I left that class with the burning sense that this could lead me to the answers of my questions and concerns. Friend, your influence, the example of your life, can make such a profound difference for a seventh grader, for a colleague, for, for anybody. You just start by, there's something about your transformed life that they go, you're just, like if I want a safe place to talk to someone, I think of you, why, why, why do I want to talk to you when I'm going through something deep in my life? You're like, you have a listening ear, you're kind, I just feel like you have peace, you've been through some of your own struggles and come out the other side, and I, and I just, in your notes, you'll see a few suggestions for how to frame your story. If someone asks you like, Hey, how did you become like a Christian? What do you say like in one minute? Because often people don't want like a half an hour. There's three things, before, how, and after. Well, you know what? Before I began to follow Christ, I I had a ton of anxiety. Or it might be all I lived for was money. Or my marriage was a wreck and I I went through this really painful divorce. What, What was life like before? How? Uh, I met this person at work, and they invited me to divorce care at Grace Church, or I uh, I discovered a someone gave me a book about how I could have peace in a relationship with God, or I got into a recovery group with a bunch of other people who said that Jesus was their power and to overcome, and then the after, you go, and since I met Jesus, here's what's taken place in my life, and like, he's changed me, like, I'm not perfect, I still... Deal with this on occasion, or I'm still you know, on the recovery road, or anxiety still sometimes creeps up, but I can tell you it's not at all like it used to be because of what Jesus and people. Man, when you tell that kind of story, that's compelling. You might uh, practice with a friend who is another follower of Jesus and say, Hey, would you tell me your story in a minute, and I'll tell you mine, and, and just tell me where I'm not clear. And if you want to get better at this, uh, Pastor Kajavius Wilson and Mark Filipkowski will be leading a class here coming up in the next few months. And, uh, and also, uh, at our welcome desk at both campuses, and if you're watching online, you can just stop by sometime, uh, but Steps to Peace with God, we have one for you to take with you today, but in like four minutes, it explains how do you have a relationship with Jesus, and it's got pictures for visual people like me, and then a prayer at the end, how do you, how do you put your trust in Jesus? So, so talk, keep the focus on Jesus, just Paul says, I, I, it's Christ, it's in him crucified. Secondly, get to be able to tell your story, and then third, don't worry about being nervous. That's, that's normal. Uh, you might feel the same way talking about spiritual things that Paul did. Let me just look again at verse three here. He says, I came to you in weakness and fear, and with much trembling, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the spirit's power. Do you ever talk to someone about spiritual things and you go, I felt like I was going like, blah, 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 like that. Like I just didn't really make sense. Like I wasn't super persuasive. and." But the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, when you just say, Jesus, I don't, I don't feel very confident here. But Paul says, that's when God can just, like, he can help you nervous or not. Uh, that you just go, Lord, um, strengthen me. Help me to represent you well. So how do we start talking about spiritual issues with a friend? Maybe you go, I feel like I've developed a friendship, but I don't know how to bring it up. Uh, on the back of your notes, I've listed some conversation starters that have been helpful for others, including me. So, A simple question, something like, when you have problems or crises, how do you manage to get through them? And just listen. Or what's your spiritual background? And then at some point, a person will often reciprocate, well, well how do you deal with crises in your life? Or, or what's your own spiritual journey? And then you have a chance to talk about that. What amazes me is how simple questions uh, can open up a door and be the first step toward Transformation in another person's life you'll see some other questions there uh, take the risk i mentioned alpha earlier you can just be be courageous in inviting people say hey we've got something called alpha that talks about the big questions of life or maybe what we mentioned divorce care or grief share we have a grace couple of times a year someone's lost a loved one or they express interest in a parenting class or strengthening their marriage and all of those things we have a grace, or you've got another church near you, and then you say, here's here's a possibility. Or maybe it's Beulah on the road for kids or youth group. You've got a friend, a colleague who's a young adult, and you go, hey, we've got something that I think you might find a place to connect with some other people. (coughs) All kinds of possibilities. Listen to this quote from uh, the Gallup. This came out last year. And here's what it says. I thought this was really interesting. Because sometimes we have this sense of you know what, this person, there's no way they're going to change. They've been like this for the last 35 years, and listen to what it says. Finding faith later in life that didn't exist before, did not exist before, is possible. As 16% of U.S. adults today who say they seldom or never attended church as children now attend every week or almost every week. That's one out of every six people, right? So even if you're nervous, that's okay. God is at work, and you've got the best news ever. And there's people around you who might be going, man, something's got to change in my life. Like, I'm just, I just keep on sabotaging my relationships, or I got this addiction, or I feel like I'm going nowhere in life, or I've been super successful and I'm still empty. And that person has earned less and has less, and, but they, they are like, they've got more happiness than I do. Like, what's up with that? So even if you're nervous, that's normal. One last thing here. If we were to summarize what Paul says in the final section of chapter 2, it would be this. None of us can fully grasp the thoughts of God, right? His plans, his truth, his his ways. And and so we pray, God, would you you open our eyes? Open the eyes of this person that I love. Verse 12 sort of wraps it up. I'm going to read this in the New Living Translation because I just think the way it says it was really clear to me. It says this in verse 12. We have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the spirit, using the spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's spirit. It all sounds foolish to them. And they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the spirit means. Here, here's what Paul's saying, just to be real clear. He's not saying that the gospel is foolish, that somehow God's plan is foolish. He's not saying the gospel doesn't make sense to rational minds or that it's illogical or you have to take this leap of blind faith. Not at all. The gospel is eminently clear. It's profound. It's rooted in history, and it's convinced some of the most brilliant minds in all of history, including people alive today. People with more degrees behind their name, they've gone like, wow, I've tested the evidence. And it's, it's not that the gospel doesn't make sense. Instead, it's that we can never have a full understanding. Like, our minds are sort of dull until the Spirit of God, it's like having cataracts, until the Spirit of God removes the cataracts from our eyes and we go, wow. Have you ever heard someone go... I don't know what happened. You're like, how did you become a Christian? They're like, all of a sudden, like, I'm re-, And the lights went on. And, and it was like, things began to make sense. And, and the world became in, in color and not just black and white or something like that. Maybe that was your own experience. So what do we do? We, we pray. We just, we go, God, God, you love that person even more than I do. Maybe it's someone in your own family and you go, Lord... I don't know know what else to do. I don't think right now is the time for me to talk to them. We've had a lot of conversations. So God, I'm going to pray. Not long ago, a friend told me how uh, his parents were killed in a tragic accident when he was a teenager. He said, I was the oldest of several children. We were a Christian family. And he said, our parents' death rocked. I mean, can you imagine your parents at the same time? It rocked our family. He said, I, I, by God's grace, I continued to hold on to my faith, but he said a couple of my siblings didn't, and especially one brother that I, I was close to who was younger than I am. He said, my brother was like, if God could not spare my parents from being killed, I'm done. I, I, I don't trust a God. I don't want to follow a God like that. So he said he walked away from from his faith and he lived life on his own terms and sought to just, you know, make sense of his own life for 37 years. He said, I prayed for my brother for 37 years. He said, and then something happened. A brother came to me and he said, hey, um, I want you to know, you know, I went through this, season in my life, and I just began to long for, like, I, I knew I needed, I, I couldn't do it on my own. I knew there had to be more. I began to reach out, and, and he goes, God is doing something in my life. And the joy for my friend, he said, it's been five years, and my brother is now following Jesus with all of his heart. God is able. Do you believe that? Some of you today, you have a family member or someone you really care about, and you're like, my heart aches for them because I want so desperately for them to put their trust in Jesus, and they're not there. What i love to do today is just to, to say, God, if people can only understand spiritual truths when your Holy Spirit enables them and removes those cataracts, can, can we just pray for those ones we love today? I want to do that right now, okay? So would you pray with me? And, and you might be saying right now, like, wow, like, I, I am that person because I need God to take some blinders. If, if, like, I am not in the right place, God, would you help me to understand? And, and he'll answer that prayer for you. Maybe it's for someone else you love, a family member, a friend, a colleague. A just quietly, can you just mention that person's name to your Father in heaven? Father today I'm praying for Father you you know all of these names we've mentioned you love these ones even more than we do and so we pray lord that you would remove any scales from their eyes anything that's holding them back lord Lord, maybe it's gonna be some kind of crisis that they go through. Maybe it's a big question mark. Maybe it's this sense of dissatisfaction in their soul. But Lord, we pray that you would bring them to a place of understanding. And God, we just say, here we are. Help us to represent you well, to reflect your heart, to love the people around us, that when they interact with us, they'd say, I I want what you have. So, Lord Jesus, we invite you by your Holy Spirit, shape us, fill us with your love, your peace, your joy, your, all of your character that other people will encounter you through us. We pray for your name because you deserve it, and we pray for the sake of the people around us that they'll know you and understand why they were made. In your name we pray. Amen.